Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I wanted to um, talk tonight about one of my favorite discourses uh, of the Buddhas. It's a practice discourse. You know, a lot of a lot of the suttas, a lot of the discourses are teachings with some um, some principle to keep in mind, but some of them are very practice oriented. Oh, try this, do this. And tonight's discourse is from the main collection of discourses. These are called the middle length discourses of the Buddha, the Majima Nikaya. Majima means middle and Nikaya means a kind of collection. Um, And it is the, it's called the Vitaka Santana Sutta, uh, the the discourse on the removal of distracting thoughts. And it's, of the 152, there's 152 discourses in the Majjhima Nikaya. This is number 20. And it's a, it's a discourse that the Buddha offered to work with troublesome thoughts that come into your mind. Anybody ever have any of those? Um, anybody not have any? Please speak to me afterwards. And what what it is, the Buddha recognized that it's not always possible to just know that you're thinking. I mean, the primary the primary strategy for working with thoughts is simply to be mindful of the process of thinking. Because when you realize, oh, I'm thinking now, you're not feeding the thought, you're not caught in the story, but there's an awareness that thinking is happening. One of my favorite um, practice uh, practice techniques when I'm, say, on retreat, particularly, uh, but even outside of retreat, but in retreat, it's so obvious when I find that I've gotten lost, I've jumped on the thought train and I've been gone. And then when I wake up, you know, that moment when you wake up, which is hopefully an appreciative moment. Oh, wow. Woke up instead of, oh, gosh, there I was lost and what a pathetic meditator I am. Oh, here you are again. And I say to myself, oh, mental fabrication. And as soon as I say that, oh, mental fabrication, or sometimes it's called mental formation. Oh, thinking, that's what's happening. As soon as you say that, you're not lost in the thought. There's an awareness that you're thinking, just like an awareness of breathing in and breathing out, or an awareness of a sound or an emotion. The awareness is not caught, just like in an emotion, the awareness of fear 
is not afraid. The fear is just doing its little dance in the awareness. But when you become the awareness that knows that thinking is happening, oh, you're free once again. However, the Buddha realized it's not always that easy. And sometimes you can know that you're thinking, but still get caught because it's a troublesome thought. It's a worrisome thought. And you're spinning your wheels, particularly if it's trying to get rid of the thought. Oh, I don't want to have this thought of anger. Get away. And then you just become angry at your angry thought or frightened by your fearful thought. And the more you try to push it away, the more you get caught in it. Or you can even still be aware that you're thinking, but the cortisol has gotten activated and is shooting through your body, and you might be triggered, or you might be just still in that um, somatic reaction which makes it a whole lot harder to extricate yourself from that thought or to to just let it evaporate. Because if you don't mess with thoughts, they just are gone very simply. But often we mess with them. So the Buddha had this discourse of five different methods when mindfulness doesn't do it. And I love this discourse because he's saying that, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. And there's many different ways, strategies that you might employ. This is really important to keep in mind, not to think, oh, if I only knew the right way, then I'd be free or a good meditator. But there's lots of ways, and particularly these five, when one is not mindful, that I'm going to share with you. And just for the fun of it, instead of me reading it, uh, reading it to you again, I'll share the screen. Let's see if I can. Where is it? Nice pro. Okay, I'm going to share the screen and you can read a little at a time with me. It's a very readable discourse. And by the way, I'm going to change around some of the wording, which you'll see, because sometimes when you read the translations, there are words that that aren't uplifting and don't don't land in, in such a healthy way or for me. And so I change it around or maybe change the gender around or things like that. So um, it's okay to do that. Uh, you want to find words that do resonate with you. So here I'm going to pull up the Majjhima Nikaya. Okay, here it is. So Majjhima Nikaya, can, can you see that? Yeah, okay. Majjhima Nikaya 20, the Discourse on the Removal of Distracting Thoughts. 
And I'll just read a little at a time and we'll, we'll stop for each one. Thus have I heard, and that's Ananda, uh, he's, he's recalling the teachings of the Buddha. Thus have I heard. Okay? On one occasion, the Blessed One was living at Savati in Jetta's Grove, Anattapindika's Park, and there he addressed the bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, venerable sir, they replied. The Blessed One said this. Bhikkhus, and bhikkhus means practitioners, any practitioners. When a, when a bhikkhu is pursuing the higher mind, from time to time, he should give attention to five signs. What are the five? And when he says higher mind, actually, this is a discourse on when you're trying to get concentrated in your mind. And there are times when you're distracted and you should give attention to five signs or five different strategies. Here bhikkhus, when a practitioner is given, giving attention to some sign, to some thought, one could say, and owing to that thought, there arise in that person unwholesome thoughts. I'm going to skip the word evil because that's such a loaded word. Unwholesome or unskillful thoughts connected with desire, with hate, with delusion, and what one should give attention to then one should give attention to some other sign, that is, some other thought, with what is wholesome. When one gives attention to some other thought connected with what is wholesome, then any unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hate, with delusion, are abandoned in them and subside. And then there's a, a, a simile for each one of these. With the abandoning of them, his, the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. Just as a skilled carpenter or his apprentice might knock out, remove, and extricate a coarse peg by means of a fine one, so too when a practitioner gives attention to some other sign connected to what is with what is wholesome, the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Okay, now, what does that mean? So you're trying to get concentrated, you're trying to be mindful, and all of a sudden some unwholesome, which means a thought that is disturbing comes to you and he says when that happens you can give attention to some other thought that is wholesome like a carpenter knocks out one peg a coarse peg with a better one with a fine one anybody have an idea we can this this can be back and forth anyone have an idea of how you could possibly use that. Suppose you are getting caught in anger. Any, any wholesome thought that you might substitute, that you might replace that unskillful thought with? Anyone wanna, wanna try? Unmute yourself and raise your hand. I am. Um... 
Uh, I just did this the other day. I, I've been struggling with a lot of anger and, and really even hatred. Um, and I just evoked my dead favorite dead cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I need, I just, it was a, a sort of an act almost of desperation in the moment, but I did remember and I just went to him and, you know, he, I adored him and he adored me and it just changed my heart. It was the um, best medicine. <laughs> okay. Well, that's exactly it. When you're caught in anger or you're caught in, um, in agitation, what you did, you brought, you brought your cat who evokes a feeling of love in you, right? That's the idea. Okay. So an antidote for anger is loving kindness, bringing someone to your inside, inside in your heart who softens you and opens you because all the, the unskillful thoughts are thoughts of agitation and contraction. And all of the skillful thoughts are thoughts that are softening and opening. Great. Okay. Let me, let me ask, suppose there's a thought of um, doubt. You're having a whole lot of doubt either about yourself or about life. Let's say about yourself. You're having a whole lot of doubt about yourself. Oh God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, any thought, any kind of thought that you could envision could be an antidote to the doubting mind? Anyone want to try? What's the opposite of doubt? Oh, Ellen, hi. Hi. Maybe bring someone to mind who believes in you, who... That's all I have to say. <laughs> Bingo. You see, this is not something that was that just the Buddha knew. You can trust. You got a Buddha right inside of you. That's the point. And if you listen and intuit what's needed, that's exactly it. The opposite of fa- of doubt is faith. So you either bring someone to mind who inspires you through their own. Mm, capacity to to meet difficulties or someone who really believes in you. In fact, before we go on, I invite you to close your eyes for a moment and bring to mind someone who believes in you. It can be a, a mentor or a a friend who knows you, someone who really trusts you or cheers you on, saying, you can do it. I know you can. Just see yourself through their eyes. Notice how that feels inside. Okay, you can open your eyes. Could you feel that just for a little moment? You incline your mind in, in that direction. In a moment, 
Drew, the mind is like silly putty. I've mentioned that here before. A, a, a wonderful teacher told me decades ago, the mind is like silly putty. It can go anywhere. And when you see you can shape it anywhere, you have power. It's a power. Um, one more, say, if you're caught in wanting and you really want something or something to happen. And another reflection, I'll just say it so we move on to the others, is reflecting on impermanence. Oh, is this going to do it? I know when I get this, I'm going to really be happy forever. Probably not. You'll feel happy for a little while and then it'll go. And so when you reflect on that, you don't have to get caught in thinking, oh, if I don't get that, I'll, I'll never be happy. And if I do, I'll always be happy. That's where the mind gets tricked. So this is the first strategy to substitute, to replace an unwholesome thought with a wholesome thought. You say, that's a good thing to do. Okay, on to the next. he realizes this doesn't always work. So number two, if while one is giving attention to some other sign connected with what is wholesome, there still arise unwholesome thoughts. That is, it didn't work. It's still going on, connected with desire, with hate, with delusion. Then one should examine the danger in those thoughts. Thus, hmm, and again, this is kind of tricky language. These thoughts are unwholesome. They are reprehensible. I, I hope you don't go that far. Uh, oh, I'm terrible for having those thoughts. But they're unwholesome and they result in suffering. When one examines the danger in those thoughts, then any unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hate, delusion are abandoned and subside with the abandoning the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. Just as, now this is a pretty intense image, just as a man or a woman, or one could say now uh, of any gender or non-binary, non young, youthful, and fond of ornaments would be horrified, humiliated, and disgusted if the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human being were hung around their neck, so too a practitioner examines the danger in those thoughts, and then the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Now, what can that possibly mean? Any, anyone want to? Take a stab putting it in your own words, what what he's trying to say. I can go. Yeah, great. Paul, um, Paulina, hi. Hi. So maybe something like, can I reflect on what do I get from this thought? How like where is this gonna take me? It's not a good place. Mm. Exactly. That's it. There's nothing to be gained by going down this road. Or as 
as the colloquial saying goes, uh, don't even go there. You ever use that? Don't go there. I don't think this is going to be so helpful if I go down this road. And just by putting a frame around it, and you see, hmm, this isn't going to lead very to a very good place. You might put the brakes on, maybe. And sometimes, if you can, if you're aware of uh, what Jack Cornfield calls the top ten tunes that you've got going on in your in your mind, oh yeah, the work thoughts, oh gosh, or relationship thoughts, or if it's somebody particular, oh, Bob thoughts. I don't know if I want to go there. You know, that can that can be a, a, a very um, useful thing to just kind of put a frame around it so you don't need to jump into the movie or on the train. Okay? With me? But he realizes still might not work. Okay, so let's go on to the third. If while examining the danger in those thoughts, there still arise in that person unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, delusion, those are the big three, greed, hatred, and delusion, or attachment, aversion, ignorance, same thing, then one should try to forget those thoughts and not give attention to them. When one tries to forget those thoughts and not give attention to them, then those unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hatred, with delusion, are abandoned and subside. With the abandoning of them, the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness and concentrated. Just as a person with good eyes who did not want to see forms that had come within range of sight would either shut their eyes or look away, so too when a practitioner tries to forget those thoughts and does not give attention to them, the mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Okay. So once again, what does this mean? This is sometimes called forgetfulness and inattention, this technique. Anybody want to take a stab what the, that could possibly mean? Because it's kind of tricky to just say, oh, well, I'll forget about it. I I don't want I I can just forget about it. The mind needs something to engage in it. So what what could that practically mean? Anybody want to try? James? And uh you Yeah. Hi. Go ahead. Give it a stab. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. 
I kind of having a little trouble thinking of you. It, you know, it's it's hard to put it in mind, but uh, it's kind of like uh, your thoughts are going there all the time. The problem is your uh, when you obsess about it. You know, it's kind of like you close one door and the whole room stinks. You keep both windows open and it flows through. There may be a bad smell, but it's going to flow right out the window. <laughs> Great. Okay. So let me ask, uh, if you're not paying attention to that, what might be an alternative? It's always going on. It's yeah, okay. a human it's process. It's We're always okay. thinking. But when okay. we get holding on, we get stuck on that one thought, and then we can't, uh, we, 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 we just get stuck, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. But if you just breathe, it just, other things come by, and then, you know, you may think about it again, and then you go go on. Now, you know, there may be, some sort of problem that you may need to think about, but then you also need to think, well, what can I do about it? Rather than just grinding it, you know, like on the squirrel cage. I see. So that, that's one possibility to just reflect, okay, what, what can be done? What yeah. can I do? Who can I ask? Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Maybe I need to just go to bed tonight. Mm. <laughs> Let's go ah. for a walk. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Oh, maybe I just need to go for a walk. Yeah. Or go to bed. Pet the dog. Yeah, yeah. or walk the dog. Yeah, thanks. And Birgit, uh, I, I saw you had your hand up too. Did you have anything you wanted to say? Yeah, it reminds me more like uh, the saying, where attention goes, energy flows. Uh-huh. Right? But And if I've let it dissolve if I forget about it and, and, you know, change the tune, the channel uh, to a wholesome state, then the energy goes to the wholesome one and not anymore. And that's how I break the cycle. Mm-hmm. You, excellent. Now this is, a, it sounds a lot like the first, but there's a, there's a, a subtle difference. So rather than thinking of another wholesome thought, this is kind of, this is what um, is meant by forgetfulness and inattention. Oh, did Heather, you had your hand raised. Sorry. Oh, no. Oh, I, you know, I was just trying to get grasp on with James's, you know, walk the dog or, but sometimes that thought it's right there with the dog. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of craving Like now the dog and the thought are there now, yeah. now I'm walking and the thoughts on the, and so I'm just looking for like what, and then Brigitte's mentioning like, why don't you think about something else? Which sounds like option one. So I'm trying to grasp this particular concept here. I'm not quite getting it. Cause that thought's going to go on the walk. With okay. Me. All right. Good, good point. So here's practically how to use this third option. That is, by putting your attention elsewhere. In the meditation, for instance, suppose you are, uh, you're getting caught in a thought, okay? 
Here, let's just try try this, okay? Think of here we can all do this together, okay? Mm, bring up a thought that that's uh, that you want to try to not feed, okay? But bring it up so it's here, okay? So you got something to chew on, and just get into it for a little while. Not too long. I won't leave you here. Don't worry. But just for a little while, okay, so let your let yourself get into that whatever the thought is. You might close your eyes for a moment as you do it. Okay, now open your eyes and look around your room and see everything there is to notice. Really be interested in that. I see a lamp, I see a tonka. Just look what's around for you. Check it out. Just check out your room. Really be interested in it. Is a thought happening right now? Maybe, but maybe not. Because you're withdrawing your attention from that spin cycle and you're being interested in something else and this is a very legitimate and um and powerful strategy say you're you're sitting and you've got pain in your in your shoulder if you pay attention to a place in your body there isn't pain, or just open up the sounds, or look around. You're forgetting what's been grabbing you and turning your attention someplace else. Zach, you had your, your hand up? Yeah, how would you say that this technique differs from, well, denial, I guess, or pushing away something that you're really feeling that maybe needs self-compassion or some some other way of being addressed? Okay, good question. It might be at times that you do need to, it would be helpful to look at what's here, but sometimes it won't. So there's no one right time or way Oh, if I'm just avoiding this, uh, I'm living in denial. The way I use the practice is if I can be with something, say, that I feel uh, is important to give attention to, if I can be with it um, with balance and interest so that I'm I'm learning, I'm exploring, I'm investigating. Great. But if you find yourself struggling or not able to see clearly or not able to feel the feelings of sorrow or, or, or anger or whatever, if you can't be mindful of it with some space, the Buddha... This is the Buddha saying, don't have to pay attention to it. You can turn your attention elsewhere. That 
it can be a very skillful thing to do to take a break and turn your attention elsewhere. That's where there's no right or wrong. And, and uh, uh, you know, you, you, I think you've probably heard me talk a little bit about trauma work and all. You want to know your window of tolerance. You don't want to be in above what you can handle. And you don't want to be numb so that you're not, you're just frozen and, and in denial. If you can be in that sweet spot in the middle where you're opening to what's here, opening to the feelings, opening to the whole relationship to it in a skillful way, super. But if you've gone beyond your window of tolerance, turn your attention elsewhere. That's fine. That's skillful. With me? Okay. That makes sense. Thanks. Okay, good. All right, let's let's make sure we get through all five. Uh, so here we go. Number four. He realizes mm, still might not work. Let's go for another way. Number four. If while one is trying to forget those thoughts and not give attention to them, there still arise unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hate, delusion, then one should give attention to stilling the thought formation of those thoughts. Okay, let's see what that means. If when one gives attention to stilling the thought formations of those thoughts, then those unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hatred, and delusion are abandoned and subside. When, with the abandoning, the mind becomes steady, internally quiet, and brought to singleness and concentrated. And here's the analogy. Just as a person walking fast might consider, why am I walking fast? What if I walk slowly? And they would walk slowly. Then they might consider, why am I walking slowly? What if I stand? And they would stand. Then they might consider, why am I standing? What if I sit? And they would sit. And then they might consider, hmm, why am I sitting? What if I lie down? And they would lie down, getting better all the time. By, by doing so, they would substitute for each grosser posture, one that was subtler, so too when a practitioner gives attention to stilling the thought formations of those thoughts, the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Okay. What does that mean now? Anyone want to stab? Well, just in the interest of time, I'll, 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 uh, I'll share. There's, there's two ways that this technique can be, uh, can be taken. One is an obvious one. Oh, when you're getting all caught up, you need to cool out. 
You need to relax. You need to find some calm, which might mean walking the dog or going out in nature or doing or taking a hot bath or doing something that brings some ease and calm that this is really skillful to just relax the mind and when you can do that there's more space and when there's more space there's less agitation and frustration so this is one it's really helpful to calm yourself down and just relax chill out as we say time to chill you know this is this is not an expression that's new this is thousands of years old chill out just relax there's another interpretation for this and that is stilling the thought formations can also be thought of as seeing where the thoughts arise from thoughts come out of nowhere and are here for a little while and then are gone and if you can instead of getting into the content of the thoughts instead of getting caught up in the story of the thoughts you can see where where thoughts spring out of which is a great mystery in itself who knows where they came from they come from the mystery and you don't get into the content but just the process of thoughts coming out of nowhere have you ever have you ever thought that where do thoughts come from i used to ask my earlier years every meditation teacher i encountered i'd ask that question where do thoughts come from no one was ever able to give me an answer i don't know they just come on their own and when you can go back to the source the mysterious source that wellspring that's just spewing out thoughts it's possible to get less caught in the in the content of the thoughts and just see oh they come out of nowhere and they go back into the void so that's a second interpretation of that stilling the thought formations seeing the source of thoughts which is a mystery to all of us okay so how are we doing there's just a few minutes left so let's get to the fifth one okay and now i share this with um some caution but you might as well hear how the buddha went about it and maybe we can make some sense of it he says it still might not work 
So here he is, number five. If, while giving attention to stilling the thought formations of those thoughts, there still arise unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, with hatred, with delusion, then with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth, one should beat down, constrain, and crush mind with mind. When with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth, one beats down, constrains, and crushes mind with mind, then any unwholesome thoughts connected with desire, hatred, and delusion are abandoned and subside. With the abandon of the mind, the mind become, with their abandoning, the mind becomes steady, internally quiet, brought to singleness and concentrated. And here's the analogy. Just as a strong man might seize a weaker man by the head or shoulders and beat them down, constrain them, and crush them, so too with teeth clenched and tongue pressed against the roof of the mouth. A practitioner beats down, constrains, and crushes mind with mind. The mind becomes steadied, internally quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Now, what can that mean? Wow. You might read that and say, oh, I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, and somehow it hasn't really worked. What do you think he might mean in the most skillful way? Anyone want to take a stab? Heather. Oh, oh yeah, Charmaine. Oh wait, let's let's let Charmaine. Did you want to try it, Charmaine? And uh, you got to unmute yourself though. Well, it's like when you do yoga or exercising. One of the exercises is to relax. It's to tighten up real hard, mm -hmm. and then you relax because you get a response of the opposite, basically. Mm -hmm. That's that's an interesting, yeah, that does work. Yeah, just and then relax. Yeah. Oh, well that's that's an interesting one. But it isn't your answer, huh? Uh, <laughs> well, it's an answer. Like this is just five, so you might find five more that work for you, and that's that's the point of it. But yeah, thanks for that. And sure. Heather, did you wanna try something? Did you wanna say something? You know, um, there's a meditation. I like to use the 10% um, happier meditation app. And there's one by Joseph Goldstein where he'll say, okay, at some point, what you have to do is say enough, like enough. And, and just like, and that's what, is that what you're talking about? I'm curious if that's exactly, that's exactly. Yeah. And of course, first time I ever heard this was Joseph Goldstein giving a talk. So, uh, but it's like, it's like tough love, you know, like a like a, a a parent saying, you know, no, you can't run out into the street, you know, or don't put your hand on the stove. And they might be very firm, but with love. And in the same way, if you say to yourself, it, it can't be done with hatred. It can't be done with with anger. Because that just contracts the mind. 
But if you simply have that attitude, okay, enough now, and do it as a self-care, an act of self-care. It's like the, the, that second one where it says, oh, I don't want it, that there's danger in that, in those thoughts, but you're still going towards it and you say, okay, let's stop. Let's put on the brakes. How many people have ever found that to be something that they use when they give themselves a good talking to with love? Okay, enough now. It can work uh, judiciously. You got to do it. If that's your go-to habit, God damn enough. No, 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 no. Then you're just deepening those neural pathways and you're, you're bound to, that'll be your go-to. God damn, doctor. You just got to do it out of love. Okay, enough, dear. In fact, you might even put dear on the end of that. Enough, dear. This isn't going to be helpful enough. So we just have a few moments left. So I want to make a point to all of this. First of all, I hope you see that that there are many ways to work with the mind. In fact, the Buddha, one of the the, the um, one of the gifts of the Buddha, he was called the master of skillful means. That he knew just what would suit each person out of his wisdom and his his powers of mind, just how to um, to give the right antidote or the right remedy for each person. So there's not one remedy. That's the first thing I want you to get. There's not one remedy. And with all of these, just like like uh, it was said, oh, I go for a walk, or I uh, I do some. I think of my my cat and bring some loving kindness. It's right inside of you, if you can really listen and trust your intuition with the key question. You've heard me probably say this before. What do I need right now? What do I need that will bring me back to myself? What do I need to get a little bit of balance and space? And then listen, not try to figure out, but listen to the answer, because that is right inside of you. And this is what the Buddha was talking about when he said to listen to and see for yourself what leads to suffering and what what leads to happiness? You check it out in the the Kalama Sutta. We're just about out of time, uh, but this this one sutta where the Buddha says, I'll just read it in this short paragraph. This is what hooked me on practice because I didn't know if I was ready to believe all the dogma or doctrine or teachings. He says. You should decide not by what you've heard, not by following convention, not by assuming it is so, not by relying on texts, not because of reasoning, not because of logic, not by thinking about explanations, not by acquiescing to the views that you prefer, and not because it appears likely, 
and certainly not out of respect for a teacher, but when you would know for yourself, these things are unhealthy, these things when entered upon and undertaken inclined towards harm and suffering, then you should reject them. And when you know for yourself, these things are healthy, these things when entered upon and undertaken inclined towards welfare and happiness, then having come to them, then you should stay with them. So this is all about trusting the Buddha that's right inside of you. That's what this discourse means to me and is so important and so valuable. Many, many possibilities, and it's up to us to listen to the treatment side. So with that, thank you for your attention. And uh, we can dedicate our time here together. Appreciate that you want to spend a Thursday night and be with others and explore these things. And just feel your own goodness. That wants that. It's hungry for that. Loves the truth. Most consciousness. And here you are with all these other people who share that. And let's collectively share our good intention for the benefit of everyone in our lives and extend it out to all beings everywhere, including this planet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.